Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. We are so excited today to be talking with Whitney Connard, and she has a really amazing project going on called the Unread Shelf Project, and so we want to talk with her about that. Before we get started today, we just wanted to remind you to please hop over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us so much to grow our audience and to share the bookish things that we are up to. And we're going to start off today by talking about our bookish check-in. So, um, Sarah, you want to start us off? Sure. So, I am currently reading Knox McCoy's All Things Reconsidered, and it is his second book. It doesn't come out till June, so it is similar to his first book, and then it talks about his... Uh, kind of his reconsideration of things that he was taught growing up, but he does it with his normal humor. And I'm only about four chapters in. And do you know, you all know my love for the pod, mm-hmm. for the podcast, which is the the podcast he he co-hosts with Jamie Golden. And it is just, it's been really funny. And I love any book that makes me laugh out loud, but also mm-hmm. makes me think. And so far, it's been great. And I look forward to giving a full review when I'm done. Uh, what about you, Jen? So I am reading Camille Pagan's Forever is the Worst Long Time. I have become quite a fan <laughs> of hers recently. I've read actually all of her books that I've read so far via audio, and this one I'm reading via audio as well. And it's the story of James Hernandez, who goes to a party, is instantly attracted to this woman, and finds out that she is the fiancé of his childhood best friend. And what I'm loving so far is that there's the expected romance, but it's also really about the love that he has for his friend Rob and the loyalty that he feels for him and the way that he feels conflicted and is really fighting against that attraction. And it covers, I don't know, decades, I think. I'm not all the way done yet. But yeah, so far it's great. And um, this is a new audiobook narrator for me, but he is really great too. And I can't remember his name right now, but we will put it in the show notes. Awesome. What about you, Whitney? Could you tell us something about your bookish life this week? Yes. Well, I'm actually reading a Camille Pagan novel also. And it's the first one I've we've got a theme here. It's the first one I've ever read by her, and it's called This Won't End Well, which is always appealing, right? Don't you want to read a novel that will not end well? You already know. So, yeah, she has some really quirky characters, and it's funny. And it was what I needed because I've had – been in a not a book slump, but just having a hard time reading more difficult books, and so it was just what I needed. Oh, that's awesome! Awesome, that sounds great. That's yeah, I haven't I haven't read her at all. So you all you both talking yeah, about her? I really me. like her a lot. I'm trying to look up the narrator. I, I will say it if I find it before we're done. Because what are you reading, Ashley? So I talked a little bit earlier in the month about how I don't read romance books very often, but I'm finding that maybe I should incorporate more of them into my life. And the book that I'm reading right now is really winning me over on that. And I'm re- reading Helen Huang's The Bride Test. And I just am, it just makes me really happy. Mm -hmm. I think that I am enjoying 
that I love all the characters. I mean, I think part of what I'm enjoying about it, and I don't always feel this way about romance novels, which maybe is why I don't read, you know, more of them, but I think that there are a lot of conflicts in the book, and all of those conflicts feel authentic and genuine, and yet all of the people are earnest, and mm -hmm. they are doing their best, and they are trying not to hurt each other, and they are trying to do the right thing. And I think I really appreciate that about the book. And, it, and like I said, I think the resounding thing for me is just that it makes me feel good. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to read a book that just makes me feel good. And I, it, it has just made me appreciate that maybe there are some romance books out there for me that I could enjoy. Yeah. That are, yeah, it's just been good for me to give that a try. It had been heavily recommended, Yay. not just by, Jen had recommended it to me and shared her book, but also other people had said, you know, even if you don't love romance, it's a good one to try, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it, so. All right, just because I can't stand out to do the shout out, the narrator is Timothy Andres Pebon, and I'm not positive about the pronunciation, but it's close. <laughs> narrators make a difference That's for right. sure with the audiobooks yeah so Whitney we are so thrilled to talk with you today and we really wanted to hear all about all about the red shelf project all of us are participating with various levels of success <laughs> and are kind of coming at it from different stages in our process but all of us I feel have personally benefited mm -hmm. from the the idea and from the reflection involved. So yeah, do you want to talk to us just about how it got started and kind of where you are with it? Yeah, I'd love to. And again, thank you so much for having me on. I feel like I'm just chatting with like three bookish friends. It's like a mini book club. <laughs> so, I was like, well, let's keep talking about books. But yeah, so the, the roots of the Unread Shelf Project stretches back to 2011 to 2014. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I actually spent three years in Cambodia, in Southeast Asia. He worked for a non-government organization, a charity, and I went with him and did some work as a nurse. That's kind of my professional background as a registered nurse. And while we were there, we were it was like a book desert. There was one um, mm -hmm. town two hours away that would sell English language books. And then Bangkok in Thailand was about four hours the other mm -hmm. direction. And I did have a Kindle, which um, little library hack, you can still use your library card when you live overseas to download ebooks. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so I did that a lot, but at the same time, I've always been a very tactile person. Mm -hmm. So when we moved back to the States um, now over five years ago, I mean, it was just, I kind of went crazy, especially <laughs> because transitioning back and being a recovering expat, as I call it. Um, you're under a lot of stress and there's a lot going on. And so my default was to buy books. And we lived in a pretty small house at the time with uh, my husband and my son. And I just found myself accumulating so many books, so many books, so many books. And at the same time, I also had the idea of I'm going to start a book blog and turn it into a, I don't know, part-time gig. And, and then, then I found out I was pregnant, which... We was was planned, but then I realized, how can I even think about starting this? So I put the <laughs> blog on the back burner, but then I kept the Instagram account, which was called The Unread Shelf. Mm -hmm. I think I randomly heard that phrase somewhere and just grabbed it out of the air and claimed it for my own. And uh, I think it was 2017 was the first year I sort of was doing this project casually. But then 2018 made it a thing of like, okay, guys, like, uh, anytime that I do something, I'm grabbing other people to do it with mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. Bit of a party animal. Like, we're all going to have fun <laughs> with this. 
and just started posting like, okay, this month I'm reading these kinds of books and I'm trying to cut down on my buying and just started having these strategies. And, and I didn't realize that so many other readers had the same problem and it doesn't yeah. matter what genre you read or what kind of reader you are. It was, and, and even the way that people would say, I have 10 unread books on my shelf and it's driving me crazy. Or there's someone says I have 500 and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> like it just didn't really matter. Like the numbers didn't matter as much as this kind of fighting against FOMO, the fear of missing out mm -hmm. and reading what you're owning. And so I think that, you know, that just kind of grew out of my own experience and then sharing that with a community that I found on Bookstagram. And it's just been a really fun, unexpected part of my life over the past few years. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Do you have an estimate of how many books you have gotten rid of since you started? Is that something you've kept track of? No, I haven't kept track of, of like uh, gross totals or anything mm -hmm. like that. And part of that's because some of them might be read. Um, I definitely have kept track of how many books on my unread shelf that I've read. Mm -hmm. And I, cause I also keep a book journal and I have Goodreads. So I have those numbers, but sometimes I uh, stop tracking things and then I have to go back and try to count. So I don't, but right now this year, I'll tell you, every year my total unread number has gone up. It's not gone down. <laughs> Which is actually uh, kind of comforting, I think, for all yes, of us. Yes, yes. So, yes. Just because, it, I, it, yeah, because even when you're conscious of that, I can see how that's still happening. As, mm -hmm. as you grow as a reader and you're getting a lot of books for a lot of different reasons, yeah, I can see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I try to share that with people. And part of the thing is, you know, on Bookstagram, there's the whole – free books from publisher game, which mm -hmm. is amazing and wonderful. But then it's really easy to just be like, yes, I'll give me all the free books. I want yes. all of them. And then you literally have piles up against your wall. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, when am I actually going to read this? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think each of us has struggled with the podcast and with those free books and getting books from NetGalley with always reading for a deadline and not just being able to read on a whim and this is just the book I feel like reading instead. It's always, these are the books that I have to get back to the library by this date because I know someone else has it on hold and I can't renew it. And I struggle a lot with that sense of obligation to no one, but I just feel the sense of obligation that I have to read these books I checked out. Yeah. So I have those talks with myself that no, I don't have to read every library book that I've put on hold, you know, two months before and they all come in the same weekend. Yeah. yeah and I, I think I really got interested in this as I was working through my we got bookshelves put in and so I was bringing up all the books from my classroom that I had stored in the basement and I was kind of this was around the middle of the year last year and was when I first became really aware of your project and so I was like okay if it doesn't fit on these shelves this is a good time for me to narrow it down to see what fits and to find happy homes for all of the other books and to try to let go of some of them and I feel like that part was really great but then what I became really aware of in the past year was I made it, you know, I made a stack, I counted, I had around 75, I think, that I wanted to read. But then, like you were saying about the piles, Whitney, I I was like, okay, it's just these two shelves, I can totally do this. I read, you know, this many books every month, every month, I'm going to work through this. But what I found was between the books that I borrow from Jen or Sarah or another bookish friend, 
and the books that I need to read that are always on my nightstand, I wasn't touching those books. Mm -hmm. So even though the number felt totally doable, what I became really aware of was that I wasn't reaching any of those. So I don't know if you were hearing that from other people who are participating, but it really has been a learning experience, I think. Yeah. And there's just this whole sense of urgency that we get with certain books, like the library books. Yeah. The fines. Mm -hmm. I keep telling people like, Hey, I can play librarian and I'll just charge you money and you send me money if you haven't read this book, but no one's <laughs> taken me up on it yet, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That's but great. They might, and, people do that for exercise, right? So that is a thing. Yeah. Oh, that is a thing. I just need someone to develop an app for yeah. me and I'll yeah. be set for life. <laughs> but yeah, but I also feel, and the one thing I'm trying to help communicate to people is, so like, what are, what are our motivations for adding those books to our shelves? Right. Because for me, so many times it's like, oh, I'm stressed out. I'm going to go buy a book that I saw somewhere on someone's feed and heard it was good, <laughs> but I don't know, but I'm just buying it because I want to buy something. Uh -huh. Like I literally walked into a bookstore with the mindset of, I don't care what I buy. You sell books, I'll buy something. Mm -hmm. I just, which I think supporting indie bookstores is amazing but what I have found is that there's so many books that I am deeply passionate about reading but they simply get shoved out of the way so yeah. it's like stopping and saying okay who's who's telling you that you have to read this book and just because it's a New York Times bestseller or everyone's talking about it or it's the classic you never read mm -hmm. like it actually may be the perfect book for you but it's helping people kind of tap into their relationship with reading and books and how they make their purchasing choices and all of these, these things and really just being intentional so that you actually have books on your shelves that you love. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the funny thing is, even though I probably do have a lot of books I could weed out, but right now those 300 books, the vast majority of them are ones that I'm actually like, I really want to read mm -hmm. and it's just finding the time for it. And cause I'm getting better at saying, Nope, like that is, I already know that topic or that kind of content or that, like, I'm just not interested. Mm -hmm. And so it's what I think when we can figure out our reading taste, it makes it so much easier to curate that unread shelf for ourselves and then actually get them read. Yes. Yeah. I've been following you since you started because I've been on I've been on Bookstagram probably since 2017. So I kind of followed the first year, and I I mean when I first started Bookstagram, I wanted every book that I saw, and I just like I accumulated and accumulated, and then and then I, everybody was had book of the month, and I was like just so I'm normally I'm not that suggestible but I saw everybody getting the book of the month and because I love books I was like now honey book of the month and I just kept accumulating and accumulating and then the second year you did the project I was like this is ridiculous and also when Ann Bogle would put out the summer reading guide I would put every single one on hold at the library and then I'd get like 15 books would come in at once and then I'd have all the unread shelf then I have this huge stack of the, at the from the library and my husband is like when are you gonna read these because I just kept accumulating and it's just I mean I do I like to go in and mess with my books I like to stack them I like to photograph them and I'm like I really like this I deserve this but then this year when you started, I said, this is ridiculous. I really enjoy your blog and just what you talk about in your stories. And I'm like, I'm not buying a single book unless it's something that we have consciously decided for the podcast. I'm not going to the library. That sounds terrible, but I'm not going to accumulate anymore because I, 
I do feel like I try to weed out my books, but the books that I have on my shelf are either books that I really, really want to read or books that I have read and mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate the the way that you are just so honest about your own kind of unread shelf journey and then and like kind of giving us the space to be like, yeah, we keep adding but we can get better at being more conscious of what we're spending money on or just accumulating in our home so Mm -hmm. uh but yeah it's it's hard it's hard not to want the newest book that's out and also the publisher thing like in the beginning I was like this is awesome and then then all of a sudden I'm like I have all these books I don't think I'm ever going to read Mm -hmm. them all so yeah that's kind of my experience Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. my husband said something really insightful because we were talking about he's not, he's not a reader. He's not a book lover. He's very supportive, but it's sort of this, like, I support you, but I don't really get it, but Mm -hmm. I still support you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we were talking about books because it's sort of like books can be an object of beauty. Mm -hmm. It's a very tactile, like it's a decor item. They're gorgeous. We love it. But then as a personal transformation or even entertainment object, we were just chatting and and I, cause I was saying, I just feel like I want to help people because books change people's lives, mm-hmm. books make people's lives better. And this is why people should read the books they have. And my husband said, yeah, but books don't change your life if you never read them. I was yeah. just like, mic drop man. Right yeah. there. <laughs> because, because like, that's really like, if we have books on our shelves that we know will change us for the better, or even just answer this deep need for satisfying entertainment or love story or (laughs) all of these things, but they're not getting read and they're just keep getting pushed by, especially things that might be like three star. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm like super greedy. I want all the four and five star reads. I don't Mm want to waste my time on mediocre books. And so, um, yeah, I think that was, that just helped me understand even my inner motivation of wanting to help people reconnect with books that were really meaningful to them yeah. that are yeah. probably sitting on their shelves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that we were looking at, we were talking about Just Mercy because I saw that you had just posted about that on Instagram. And I think that is one that I had been meaning to read forever. And then when I finally made the time, which was extrinsic because we, we said we were going to discuss it for the podcast. Yeah. So then I had to read it. And I mean, I talk a lot about that on here that I need external pressure Sometimes, I mean, it's, it's good for me, but I do also need it because otherwise I don't always make traction on things. But it was like in that moment, I thought, oh, why did I wait so long to read this phenomenal book? But then I appreciated what you posted about the re, the reading, rereading because you knew it was a phenomenal. But I think that's another struggle that I have mm-hmm. is even if I absolutely loved a book and I'm too far removed from it to be able to discuss it in the way that I want, it's still hard for me to make the time to reread because you know all the other things on your shelf that you're not getting to in that time. So yeah, it's a struggle for sure. It is. the re. I have so many books that I would love to reread, but yeah, they just don't. And, and I always say that's like the best and the worst feeling when you finish a book and you think, oh my gosh, like, why didn't I read this a year ago? I'm so mad at myself. Uh-huh. I have felt that so many times of like, I bought this two years ago. I knew I'd love it. Why didn't I read yeah. it before then? That's how I feel about, uh, I don't know if you know about Persephone books. They're yes. that, yes, they're, it's like a cult. I swear. Don't get into it, but do. <laughs> it's this, Indie publisher who just, I don't know how they find these books and they make them all gorgeous and pretty and gray and the artwork. And so I have a whole slew of them that I haven't read yet. But every time I do finally pick one up and read it, it's just, it's so satisfying 
I think I was joking on email to someone. It's like a lot of books like mid-century British literary fiction about women's lives and relationships. (laughs) Why is that? Like, please give me that over a domestic noir thriller any day. But it's, yeah, it's those kinds of books that I'm trying to make space for Mm -hmm. that the books that I'll say, I wish I read that earlier, but I'm so glad I finally did. Yeah. So what do you think for you is the biggest challenge in confronting your unread shelf? Is there one thing that you just still have not been able to push through? I think for one, this is a curse and a blessing. And I know in even speaking this, I am privileged, but when you do start reviewing for publishers, there can be a push to read things that, especially if they send you things that you didn't request. Mm -hmm. This is why I have a little free library and a lot of bookish friends that I can pass these on to, but it can be still really, really hard for me to say, no, thanks. Like I'm not interested because there are some really wonderful books coming out. And I think also the push is also to read those older titles those books that I've owned for a long Mm -hmm. time. Cause again, it's like, this is why I have these challenges of (laughs) reading the book that's been on your shelf the longest and a book you can't remember where you got it from. (laughs) I just have so many of those around and I'm not, I don't read nearly as much nonfiction as fiction. So that continues, that bookshelf continues to accumulate Mm -hmm. a little faster, even Uh though, I love it, but sometimes it's like, ugh, I cannot read another personal growth book. <laughs> I'm so tired. Like, I parent all day. The last thing I want to do is sit down and read a parenting book in the evening, even yeah. though when I do, it's like, it's good and it's necessary. I, I'm always glad I do it. But yeah. so these, it's just balancing my 5 million reading priorities, mm-hmm. like air quotes priorities, because it's like, I still just want to read all the things. So and also I'm, I'm just very easily distracted. So it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm talking through one, one mouth saying, have priorities and know what you love. And then I'm like, okay guys, like I'm going to go read that that just came out last week and I'll check it later. So yeah, you know, it's being honest, like, Hey, I do not have this figured out. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about having the community and the hashtag that everyone follows every year mm-hmm. is like, there are so many other people just killing it and having their best reading year ever. And that makes me just over the moon happy. That's awesome. That's really great. That's awesome. So what are some strategies that you would suggest for people that just wanted to get, st- mm-hmm. wanting to get started? Yeah. So- oh man. So every end of December, January, it's always big, time for the unread shelf project and all the strategies I'm going to talk about they're on my blog you can also sign up for a new email course that I just launched and it's new and it's free and you just put your email in and you'll get all this information and I love it because people can hit reply and ask me questions or talk to me or tell me their wins or tell me their struggles and it just gives me that personal connection with everyone and so the first thing I always tell people and it sounds really painful, but I'm like, count your unread books. Get in there, get your hands dirty in the pages, and actually count them. 
And because when you do that, either you're going to feel like, oh, that's not nearly as many as I thought, or wow, I had no <laughs> idea, or I have five copies of Pride and Prejudice, and I still haven't read it. Or and it's like you don't, if you, if you want to make progress, if you're serious about having a good reading year, you have to know where you're starting from so mm-hmm. you can measure it. You can measure your progress. So I always tell people, count your books. If you're super organized and you want to do it, get them all listed out. I have a ton of apps that I, uh, several apps listed on a blog post and on my website. And I use BookBuddy and I love it because it was $5. You can export it. You can uh, tag it and categorize it and do all this crazy stuff with it. And you just scan the barcode in and just scan and scan. And it it can, it's, I mean, it takes some time, but now it's great because if I go shopping Mm -hmm. and or you know, my son loves the Magic Treehouse books, and there's like about a hundred thousand of those. So yes, I'm sure. I, I'm not buying duplicates when I'm out, and so counting them, getting them all separated, like put them like you were talking about. Get them in their own unread unread spot because mm-hmm. then it's like you have your own bookstore. And when you're like, oh, I don't have any new mysteries to read, then you can go look and oh, I have six books by Anne Cleves. Maybe I should start reading those. <laughs> That's me. And it, just to make it easier, like whatever your barrier is to reading your unread shelf, figure out what that barrier is and then take action on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I love how people have personalized this as their own. It's because everyone's reading life is so different. So mm-hmm. it's like, what, what do you need out of this? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, counting them, putting them in one place. And then just like we kind of talked about like these really important priority reads, like if you have a 200 unread books, you're not you're not you're not going to get through all of them this year and mm-hmm. that is okay. Find the 10 that would if you read them would make your reading year just amazing. Like mm-hmm. you could say if I read nothing else this year, if I get to the end of the year and I finished all those, then I'll know it was a success. Because in doing that is breaking it down. For one thing, you're you're actually making those books important, the ones that you know that you'll love. And even if it's just one book a month, and most people, that's that's really doable. Mm-hmm. And that just gives you sort of a really low success bar. And then anything over that is like a bonus. So, I mean, there's there's way more, but that's sort of like the three main steps to getting started. And then just read. Just mm-hmm. read. Stop watching Netflix. <laughs> Go to bed early. <laughs> I always tell – I know. I'm, like, horrible. I'm, like, stop watching TV. Like, yeah. I actually tell people that. Like, stop, if you stopped watching TV – you could have like an hour extra every day yeah. and you would read like mm-hmm. five books a week. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing, mm-hmm. but try not to be too pushy. on <laughs> <laughs> Those are great tips. Though. I know. Although I have to say, I'm a little scared to count my unread books. <laughs> I could feel Jen tensing over yeah. here when you were saying that. And I was like, oh, I'm a counter. But then for me, like I said, it was humbling to realize that I could not make as fast a progress as I thought because of the things we talked about. But I like that strategy. Prioritize. And I always ask people, like, what are you scared of? Are you scared of the number? Are you scared of what are you what are you scared of? I'm scared of the number because I know (laughs) it is it is huge. They are all in one place. But yeah, I've I've got double stacks. I I have two shelves in my bedroom. Those are my unread books. And on those shelves for the longest time, my husband, who does read a good bit, not as much as I do, but he had one shelf on the two bookshelves that was his. And finally, I broke down this year and double stacked an extra 
shelf so he could have two shelves. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just embarrassing because there are some I've had, oh my gosh, since grad school, which is 20 years ago now, that I have just not read. And, you know, there were things I was studying at the time that I thought were fascinating. And it's almost like losing that part of my past to admit that I'm never going to go back and study that thing again. So, yeah, it's this weird... It's like know. emotional attachment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But then that's silly because, of course, I still remember that time well. I don't need the book to remind me that I used to study that thing. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always, I, I say as well, like, there are definitely going to be books that if you want to keep it because it makes you extremely happy just to see it on your shelf and it does remind you, like, that's no longer just a book. That's a memento. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. like, a memory keeper for mm-hmm. you. And that is totally fine. But I always say, I, I promise you, however many books you have on your shelf, there is someone who has more. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who says, yeah, it's like there, I, like I've seen them in the thousands and I just have so much respect. Like, how did you count those? I don't know. <laughs> but wow. I mean, that's like, that's just amazing. You can just stop now because that pretty much took up all your time. But right. yeah, but it's not, instead of, being embarrassed by it sometimes I'm like that is so exciting that you have that many books waiting for you to read that's a lovely way to look at it it's so exciting so that's how I like to put my positive spin on it I love that thank you I I needed that (laughs) I did like that you referenced Pride and Prejudice because when I went through all of our shelves we had at least two copies at least if not three and let me tell you that is not my genre so I thought like nor nor my life partner so then I was like how why 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 do we have multiple copies of this on our shelves I don't know Mm -hmm. I don't know but it was that was a freeing one that was one that I was like oh I can find these a happy home mm-hmm. and I have several mm-hmm. copies to share. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So Whitney, uh, what is one of your favorite things about, you know, managing the project and participating as well? Oh, it's definitely been the community. I had no idea when I started Bookstagram how many personal relationships in person relationships that I would be able to build through the project, so first off, we always have a hashtag, and it's the Unread Shelf Project in the year. So this year, mm-hmm. the Unread Shelf Project 2020. And I love getting on there and scrolling through and seeing what people are posting and how people find each other and start encouraging each other and message back and forth and tag. It's just a great way for people to cheer each other on. And so, again, if it's something that you want to get into, definitely go check out that hashtag. And then through a bookstagram, I have been able to join a book club that's made up of a lot of um, KC bookstagram people. I don't think I mentioned this, but I live in the Kansas City area on the Kansas side. We have sort of a backlist book club with people that we met on on bookstagram because we had a couple of in-person meetups because there's a really active community here. And... Also, just things like this, getting to chat with you guys and getting to um, share the website and read through comments. And it's just really fun because the only thing better than reading is reading alongside friends. And Instagram has just opened up a whole new world of getting to to meet people that I had no idea existed. So it's also part of the problem of why I keep getting so many books. So, but I'll take I'll take I'll take both sides of the coin. It's fine. 
That's wonderful. I agree. I had no idea. It it doesn't feel just like social media. Mm-hmm. It does feel more like a community. It's like it's kind of like I found my people, you know, because yeah. I didn't even know that Bookstagram existed. And then I uh, I heard I think Madeline um, from Top Shelf Text speak on Ann Bogle's podcast, which I know you were on too. I heard your episode too, and I I thought oh my gosh, there's this place where everybody goes and talks about books and they take pictures of books. And I just thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's been such a great community for me too. Mm -hmm. Don't you love people's faces when you try to explain it? (laughs) When you say bookstagram and they just kind of, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you like take pictures of books and you put it on Instagram. And they're like, don't you have a real hobby? <laughs> I always wonder what my my neighbors are thinking because I've got like a stack of books. I'm like crawling around in my garden or like putting something over the fence and trying to take a picture. And I, I mean, I live in a cul-de-sac, so I have neighbors all around and I'm like, this is me. This is oh, who I am. <laughs> this is, I'm the same. My, one of my windows, I have big windows that face the French street. And so all the time I'm like, got my camera in and- <laughs> I'm taking pictures and waving at the neighbors. And then the UPS guy is like, he, all the time, I swear, he just comes during nap time and drops the books off and I'm taking them, waving at him. And one time he even came to my, well, he didn't come to my house. So my kids even know this is again, hashtag privileged problem. But um, the UPS man pulled up and parked in front of our house and my son saw him and he said, mom, you have a book package. <laughs> he opened the door and he stood on the porch and he was waiting for the UPS man to come over. Cause it's always like this one of two guys. And he, he sticks his head out and he says, sorry, I'm actually going to your neighbors. I'm just used to parking in front of your house. Cause I'm always bringing you guys books. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. See you later. So it's even, I mean, because after a while, you, you once you recognize those few publisher names or other you know, book outlet or whatever, they kind of yeah. pick up on like, hmm, books are kind of her thing. So <laughs> that's great. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today. We always like to end our episodes with a give me one. And so today for our Give Me One, we were going to talk about favorite teas because we know that you have some ideas about that. Oh, I am a complete tea addict. I've given up (laughs) coffee completely, finally. So, yes. So do you guys drink tea? I do. And I I do do as well. I do not. (laughs) And actually... Fun fact, I brought a sampling of teas. I have an entire, we live in an old house, and it used to be an ironing board cut out in the wall. So it's like, you know, the there's a, about two inches where it would be the fold-out ironing board, and somebody put shelves in there. So that is our designated tea cabinet, and let me tell you, we got a lot in there. And so I brought a whole sampling for Jen, and then we forgot or yeah, slash ran out of time to do the sampling. But we'll get back to you after we do that That's taste right. test. I, I do drink peppermint tea on occasion, usually when I'm sick, which is probably not the best way to recommend tea, but that would have to be my answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was not a great like association. No. Uh, I only drink tea when I'm deathly ill. Right. <laughs> sorry, everyone who loves tea. <laughs> no, that's okay. It makes me laugh. Yeah. So usually we recommend one. So Sarah, you want to start us off, and then we want to hear your your choices, Whitney. Sure. I so I I really like tea. I drink all different kinds of tea. Uh, I, there's one company that I really like called Herbal Element, and 
she makes all kinds of loose teas so i like those but my favorite tea if i have to just drink one is harney and sons hot cinnamon spice tea it's black tea with orange and sweet cloves and actually last year for lent i gave up, up coffee which was horrendous and, <laughs> and very it was a bad first week but but i actually substituted this tea for my coffee every morning i put that in my, my mug and took that to work and actually after the first week that with the caffeine withdrawal it was actually really good and i really enjoyed it and i drank i mean it's just it's delicious have you ever had that one whitney oh yes i love it it is so spicy like that full cinnamon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just love the way it smells and it's just so cozy so I, that's my favorite so you're winning me over that sounds um, really good i'll bring you a tea bag you can try it. i think you would like it mm -hmm. Yeah, do you, so I could share one and then I want to hear because I know what you, you might have several recommendations. So I'll just say that every day I drink chai. I really love chai tea and I usually get the Equal Exchange organic chai, which I love. There is a lot of variety as far as the way each mix tastes, um, as far as the spices and how the balance is, and that's probably my favorite. But I, I do, I still drink some coffee in the morning at the house but not a lot of it, and then I take a mug of chai, because I have found that I enjoy, I'm, I'm not super dependent, like, when I'm drinking caffeine, I am dependent on the caffeine, but for a long time, when after I had my children, I did not have any caffeine, but I still wanted that warm beverage in the morning, and so I drank decaf chai for a long time, and now I'm back to the caffeinated kind, but I love that with a little bit of honey and a little bit of milk, so that's my favorite. Mm. So what about mm. you? What, we'd love to hear some recommendations. Oh, okay. So I'll recommend one for the coffee drinkers. I really love anything that's really like full bodied and brisk. So an Irish breakfast or any Assam blend, which Assam is a region in India, A-S-S-A-M. But any of those are just like very, very flavorful and more like darker. I can't even really, I'm really bad at describing tea, but it just has a really nice robust flavor to it. And then one of my favorite tea companies is called Simpson and Vale, and they've been around for a long time. Okay, I even get like this Tea Time magazine that looks like it should go to retirement home, but <laughs> I am all about it because it's fancy tea and recipes that are so good, and they have a lot of ads from different companies. And so Simpson and Vale has an author line. And of course, you know, so it's like, okay, the James Joyce is an Irish breakfast blend. It's really mm. good. And then one that I love is their Jane Austen blend has lavender and mint in with the black tea. And so it just is, it's very energizing, but also calming. I heard someone say that the, the difference between tea and coffee um, and is that coffee is like a drill sergeant that's like, okay, yelling at you, get up, kicking you in the rear end, go, go, go. And, and tea is sort of like the grandma. It's like, okay, honey, it's time to wake up now. It's time to get up and let's do these things, but don't get too excited. And so I, I drank coffee for quite a while, but then I just, the energy levels and I have a touch of ADHD and it's like, you know, I do not need this buzz. Like I just need mm -hmm. to chill out just a little bit, but those are some of my favorites. Um, and then for herbal, I just, man, you can't get much better than Bengal Spice from mm -hmm. Celestial Seasoning, the mm -hmm. little grocery store. I'm kind of a snob about my loose, like I drink all loose leaf, except for that Bengal Spice. I just haven't found an herbal one 
put a little almond milk and honey in that. It's, it's sort of like a like a decaf chai because it has all mm-hmm. the spices. So, so mm. yeah, it's really good. But yeah, I'm constantly drinking tea all the time. So especially when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, well, thank you so much. We have loved talking with you and look forward to keeping up with what you're working on as far as your progress, and we will be reporting on ours. <laughs> I will count my books. Yes. <laughs> Yay, yes. Yes, we have won. Thank you so much. I had, like, such a blast talking to you guys. Thank it's you so a much. a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks awesome. for your time. Thanks yeah. so Thanks much. much. Yeah, so thanks so much for listening today, and we hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Whitney Connard and the Unread Shelf Project. Let us know on social media how you are coming with this adventure, where you are with your Unread Shelf, and what you're doing to make progress with your goals. And yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That helps us so much. Thanks. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.